Word Radio On Demand, 96.1 FM and 900 AM WURD. Streaming live at wordradio.com. I am happy to introduce you to a friend of the show. Usually on Wednesdays, we have our entertainment correspondent, Katia Woods, in. But she is out today. And Marina Fang, who is the senior culture reporter at the Huffington Post, she stepped in because she's a friend of the show. Hi, Marina. How you doing today? Tanya, how are you? I am doing great. But Marina, I got to tell you, I saw that the Golden Globe nominations came out and I read some of them the other day. And I was like, I don't know much about what's going on with this year's uh, slate of entertainment, because I think between the SAG and the WGA strikes, uh, the promotion was lacking on so many of these films and TV shows that I'm, I just don't even know what is going on. So tell us what is buzzing? What was the, the, the response to these Golden Globe nominations this week? Yeah, so a lot of it, I got to say, was sort of expected. You know, Barbie did really well. Oppenheimer did really well. Um, obviously, two of the biggest movies of the year in terms of box office, too. Um, so those two movies really dominated, um, Killers of the Flower Moon also got a lot of nominations. I will say I was really excited. One of my favorite movies of the year is Past Lives, which is a smaller sort of more independent movie that doesn't, the kind of movie that doesn't always get a lot of awards attention. And I was excited to see that actually was a surprise to me. I was like pleasantly surprised to see that get quite a few nominations but yeah i mean it's a lot of these sort of bigger bigger budget epic type movies um that got you know got a lot of nominations um another thing that i was a little surprised by was um the color purple did well in terms of it got some acting nominations but didn't get the best pick didn't get nominated in best picture um and as people might know the golden globe split they do drama categories and musical slash comedy categories. So it was particularly surprising that, you know, Color Purple, which is a musical, didn't get nominated in the Best Picture musical category. Um, but yeah, definitely kind of a mix of things that were expected and a couple of things that were kind of surprising, both good and bad, I say, I, I would say. Now, here's the thing. These epics uh, like Oppenheimer, Killers of the Flower Moon, Killers of the Flower Moon looks fairly compelling, I will say, but the running time is almost four hours. I just don't know if I have the uh, cap- capacity at this point with my attention span being impacted by social media and YouTube and everything else to sit through a movie with the running time yeah. is over three hours. Have you seen it? I mean, is it worth I that have, kind of commitment? Yeah, I've seen it. I have seen it. And I actually, I have to say, I did like it a lot. I really um, admire the scope of it and the sort of, there's been a lot of discussion around, you know, the framing and the work that Martin Scorsese did in trying to tell, you know, a story that is not his own. He's a white director telling a story about um, the Osage nation and, you know, I, 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 I'm a little torn about how successfully he did that, but I will say I, I did think, um, you know, to your point about the runtime, I actually was, it actually went by a lot faster than I thought it would. And, and to, to mention another movie that's over three hours long, Oppenheimer, I actually thought did that a little bit less successfully. Um, Oppenheimer's 
about half an hour shorter than Killers of the Flower Moon, but actually felt considerably longer to me for various reasons. Um, but I do, I, I do encourage people. Again, I, I get it's a tough sell. They're they're long movies, but I do. I think Killers of the Flower Moon in particular, I do think is a really compelling movie and gives you know wherever you stand on it after you see it, it it is a movie that I think produces a lot of. Um, discussion and like I've had a lot of really interesting discussions with people about it and it is a really thought-provoking movie so that is one yes it's very long but I do think it's one of those movies that I think is worth um, you know putting in the effort to see I mean I know that we binge watch shows now and so we might be watching 10 hours of a show but it's usually not in one fell swoops even Oppenheimer I'm so behind in these movies I gotta say because even Oppenheimer once they say three hours to me at this point I just check out of it completely I'm like I'll get to it but then the thing is if you watch it at home what happens when you watch these movies at home is that you don't get the full cinematic experience because you're distracted so if I'm at home watching a movie for two hours then, you know, I'm getting up. I don't went to get something to eat. I don't went to the bathroom. I done, I've done all these things that I don't think right, checking you, your phone. Oh my goodness. So you just don't get the same storytelling yeah. experience. Why do you think these films are getting so long now? That's a good question. And I should also point out, I, I think it's, it's telling that a lot of, you know, Oppenheimer and Killers of the Flower Moon are both directed by you know, sort of seasoned veteran white men in Hollywood. And I think it's telling that a lot of the, you know, I, I can't really imagine like, you know, for example, a woman of color getting like three and a half hours to tell a story that generally doesn't happen. Um, and also the amount of money that, you know, gets allocated toward movies like this. Um, there is a real imbalance in Hollywood of, you know, who gets the kind of resources and the time and to tell these big stories. But yeah, I think that's part of it. And I also, I mean, like I said, I do think that at least with Killers of the Flower Moon, I think it was necessary um, to have that amount of time um, without giving away too much of sort of the details of the movie. I think you really need to see the full scope of what happens with the story and the history behind it. And in a way that, you know, in a shorter movie, you might not get that whole scope and that whole context. Um, But like you said, we also have, I mean, we watch a lot of TV that is long and we watch, you know, very frequently sit down and watch shows that are, you know, an hour long and then you watch like five episodes of that that's you know five hours so yeah it's interesting to think about like the attention spans and how we sort of consider movies versus tv in terms of timing yeah it kind of is because you you just think about the fact that at least you have the choice if you're binge watching something you can watch it in pieces Um, yeah though sometimes you'll keep going when it comes to a show if the show's particularly compelling and you'll sit there and watch three four hours but it's just something about sitting in a movie theater maybe it's just i work too much because if i've got to sit in a dark room for three and a half hours i may not make it to the end of the movie awake that's another (laughs) issue (laughs) now you mentioned black female uh filmmakers and what kind of budgets they get and, and the stories that they tell but of course now ava duvernay has the movie origin that is coming out and that seemed like it got snubbed uh, by the Golden Globes. Yeah, it did. Um, I I have seen it. Um, I have, again, without getting into sort of the details of the movie, which, again, I think is a movie that people should see 
um, is very thought provoking. I have some sort of criticisms of it. I didn't think it worked all the way, but I do really, it's another movie that I really admire. Um, Mm. and I always really admire her. There's a lot of ambition in her work and, you know, the way that she tries to connect a lot of dots across history. And this is another one of those movies that really tries to do that. Um, yeah, it's, I, yeah, I, I'm not, there's been a lot of like mixed reviews of that movie. And so I wasn't totally surprised that it didn't get in, but you know, that's another example back to sort of, you know, we're talking about funding. I, I, I've seen interviews with her about how this movie, you know, she had a lot of trouble getting the movie funded. And unfortunately it doesn't surprise me because as we, as I said, I, I think there's a real discrepancy between, you know, who and what kinds of stories get, the funding and the support from these institutions. Um, she's talked about how with this movie, she actually went to a lot of like sort of foundations that generally fund more like nonfiction stuff like documentaries. Um, and that's kind of, she had to sort of go out of the Hollywood system in order to get this movie funded. And it has had um, a lot of support. Uh, there are people who really enjoyed it and people who feel it's an important film. But I, I yeah. like you, see that it's not seeming to get that kind of buzz. And, and really, at this point, we know the Golden Globes is kind of the outlier of uh, award shows yeah. anyway, that there are things that they like that nobody else likes and vice versa. Um, but how much can we tell from these early nominations about what the rest of the award season will look like and if the Oscars will make any different choices? Right. Yeah. And you bring up a good point that, you know, some of the movies that we're mentioning that maybe didn't do so well with the Golden Globes, like don't count them out. Um, <laughs> they're not they've been they've had a kind of mixed track record in terms of being predictive of the Oscars. Um, and also, it's very important to note that. There's no overlap between the members of, um, I guess, what's for, which used to be known as the Hollywood Foreign Press Association, the people who vote on the Golden Globes um, and the members of the Academy. There's no overlap. So it's it's worth kind of taking some of this with a grain of salt. Um, I think the way I've always thought about the Golden Globes, it's like it's a good maybe like barometer of kind of where we are at the moment. Um, Certainly movies that get nominated you know, they get a boost from being nominated because it puts that it puts those movies on people's radars um, and kind of keeps them in this awards conversation. But also it's early. I mean, the, the Oscars are in March. The nominations come out in January. So there's still a lot of time um, and a lot of other awards in between that I, I would say are more tend to be a little bit more predictive, like the Screen Actors Guild Awards, which you know, those are voted on by the members of SAG who are actors. And there's, you know, many of them are also Academy members. So there's more overlap between that group, that awards body and members of the Academy. And, um, you know, some other awards that are coming up have that similarity too. So those tend to be a little bit more predictive than the Golden Globes. But it does seem as though Killers of the Flower Moon, which picked up Golden Globe nominations for Best Picture, for uh, Best Actor for Leonardo DiCaprio, Best Actress for Lily Gladstone, and Best Supporting Actor uh, for Robert De Niro, is a front runner. And of course, Martin Scorsese, everything that he does, uh, people think is genius. And uh, that looks like something to look at. So uh, as you said, being a white director, getting that kind of budget, 
uh, being in Hollywood as long as he's been, that uh, even for this long running movie, <laughs> that uh, he's going to enjoy a lot of support. He does that 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 yeah. film looks like it is going to be a front runner going through the season. Totally. Now, on yeah. television series, uh, were there any surprises? I'm looking at 1923, which is part of the Yellowstone family. The that Crown. was a surprise to was me it? a bit. Okay. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen that show. I, I will admit I have not seen any of the sort of the Taylor Sheridan uh, TV right. universe. Um, but yeah, that show was a little bit of a surprise to me. But I do I do know people. There is sort of a contingent of people who really like um the Yellowstone and, you know, the related, all the, I, I've had trouble keeping, there's a lot of spinoffs of the, of Yellowstone and 1923 is one of them, I think. Yeah. The um, 1923 is the prequel, I believe, starring uh, Harrison yeah. Ford and, um, uh, uh, Helen, uh, Mirren. Helen Mirren. Yeah. yeah. So it's, that's the prequel. And I, I've seen some episodes of the first season of Yellowstone. I haven't seen 1923. And then now they have the Bass Reeves series that is also right. an With option. David you know, they're, they're sort of like the, uh, it's like the power of Paramount. So power right. has all these options shoots and Yellowstone has all these offshoots. Now, of course, the crown uh, is just going to probably pick up nominations until now they're in their last season because the crown is a prestige show and a good one. I've watched many episodes of the crown and regardless of what you may think about the British royal family and their shenanigans, it is well-written, well-directed, and they recreate that period with such uh, accuracy that it's just amazing. Everything that people have done in the writing is, is, killer that I, I just think um, whether you like the subject matter or not um, and in the best TV series comedy it seems like the usual suspects Ted Lasso's last season Abbott Elementary uh, the jury duty I'm not familiar with that's on Amazon Freeview oh yeah do we know I've anything? seen that I definitely recommend for anyone listening I loved that show it's it's so it's very one of a kind it's for people who don't know the premise it's like kind of a mockumentary series um, where it's, you know, it's a jury uh, and there's like, the the catch is that all of it is fake. Like it's an, a fake case. The judge, the bailiff, the, all the jurors, all the, you know, everyone involved in the case is played by an actor except for one person who's the foreman of the jury, who's just this regular guy that they cast telling they sort of told him like oh this is a documentary about jury duty but the nice thing about it is that and this is not a spoiler because you you know that everybody knows this they they say this at the very beginning of the show um he instead of it being this kind of like gotcha show like oh we tricked you it's about just him being just really kind to his fellow jurors the way that they sort of set it up is like because they're played by actors all the other jurors are kind of like they have these sort of ridiculous qualities and he it really ends up being the celebration of this one man who's just like so kind so warm and becomes the kind of here the way that the the show's creators have described it is like become this hero's journey of this one person who is just very kind to all of these people. Um, and it's just, it's a real joy of a show. It's really funny. It's really sweet. Uh, I think I, yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. And it was really surprising because as you said, it came out on Amazon freebie. It didn't get a whole lot of marketing and it sort of became this word of mouth. Like I didn't really hear about it until I think it had already come out. Um, and then 
I started watching it and a lot of people I know started watching it. And it's just, it's a very fun show. I, I, I encourage people to check it out. Well, that is definitely a new one on me because I didn't even, I'm like, I don't even know what Amazon Freebie is. So I'm going to have to find that. I think I've seen the channel circulating through uh, all the apps on my uh, TV uh, screen, but I don't think I've ever watched anything on it. Now, I was happy to see that Daisy Jones and the Six got some nominations for lead actress uh, Riley Keough and also for as part of the best limited series anthology anthology series of motion picture made for TV. I enjoyed it. It's about a 70s band uh, based on the best-selling book. Very uh, so based, people believe, on Fleetwood Mac to the point that Stevie Nicks said, I watched this series twice and felt like they were telling my life story. So if Stevie Nicks says that uh, she right. felt she saw herself in it, you can pretty much figure. And, and apparently wasn't insulted by that. So, uh, you know, it's a rock band. But if you just like vibing uh, in the 70s, I think uh, I enjoyed it. But let me ask you, Marina, do, you know, I see David Oyelowo got a nomination for Lawman Bass Reeves in, in TV. But it doesn't seem like there's a lot of representation aside from the usual suspects like Abbott Elementary, yeah. uh, it seems like there wasn't a whole lot of diversity in these uh, nominations this year. Did we miss something? Yeah, I mean, um, and, you know, on the film side, too, it's a pretty, pretty white um, <laughs> slate of nominees other than um, I was really happy back to Killers of the Flower Moon. Lily Gladstone is incredible. Um, and I believe she's um, un- unfortunately, unsurprisingly, I think the first Native actor to be nominated. Mm. Um, Greta Lee in Past Lives was nominated. Um, and Celine Song, who's the director of that movie, they're both Asian American. But yeah, it's a, it's unfortunately, it's sort of the same pattern we've always seen of like pretty white, <laughs> very, very white movies, very white shows getting nominated. And, you know, they've said that they've tried to diversify this. So, um, you know, the Golden Globes have had a lot of scandals over the last couple of years. Right. And one of the big discoveries, um, so the LA Times did this big investigation a couple of years ago. And one of the major discoveries was that there were no black members in the <laughs> Hollywood Foreign Press Association. And they've claimed that, you know, the, the, they've really revamped the organization. It's under new ownership. They did the whole overhaul of the members and they they have said that this body now is a lot more diverse. Um, but, you know, I think with these nominees, it remains to be seen whether or not that is truly the case and whether that'll, you know, have a long lasting effect in trying to make these nominees more diverse. But, you know, that's also not on one awards show to solve. I think this is, as we've talked about a lot, is this is, you know, an industry-wide problem. Was there anything worthy that was done by people of color that was overlooked, do you think? Whether it was origin, whether it was color purple. I'm surprised that no color purple uh, singles or anything made uh, the category in music. Um, Yeah, that was surprising. I mean, it's a musical. Um, (laughs) Exactly. A lot of songs in that in in the movie um yeah that's surprising um i was i was glad to see fantasia barino and uh daniel brooks who got acting nominations and i've seen i've seen the movie and i they're both very good in it so that was good um and like i said don't you know don't count it out golden globes 
take a lot of this with a grain of salt. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Kind yeah, of, I'm wondering too. I feel like we're overlooking something that's really obvious, but um, yeah, <laughs> I don't think that comes to mind. But it's also that time of year where it's like everything's starting to blur. There's just so many movies and shows that are starting to blur together in my mind. For sure, American fiction though has been one that oh, has been yes. buzzing uh, around uh, folks. But you know, you also wonder. I don't know if they are um, included, but what about the concert films from Renaissance, which I thought was really pretty good. It was also long, uh, and even yeah. Taylor Smith's concert or Taylor Swift's concert which film did, that did get nominated. Um, there was, um, this is another sort of new thing with the Golden Globes that they created this box office category for I, like movies that did very well at the box office and Taylor Swift's concert film was there. Beyonce's was not, which I thought was strange, uh, but my, yeah. And my only sort of, and this could just be me trying to find a reason that is not necessarily the reason, but it did, you know, it did come out late. It did just come out compared to Taylor Swift's um, film, which has been out for a while. Um, and I think there's like a certain box office number that it had to reach in order to be considered in the category. Oh, but okay. yeah, again, this is might be me just trying to sort of read into it. Um, but yeah, that was an interesting <laughs> omission yeah, but and maybe- also an interesting category. Maybe that um, is uh, just because it didn't achieve that box office number because the other movies in this are Barbie, Guardians of the Galaxy, John Wick, Chapter 4, Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, Part 1, Oppenheimer, Spider-Man, and Super Mario Brothers movies. So that's across the board, but it seems like those were the blockbusters of the right. year. So it makes sense. Maybe Beyonce, although I I saw both films, I Stayed till the end for Beyonce. I did not stay to the end for Taylor Swift because it was three hours long. Um, and I just don't know her music as well as I know Beyonce's. But the difference in the films, um, because they were both equally long, the difference was you saw a lot more of Beyonce behind the scenes. Unless Taylor put it in that third hour, which because I wasn't there. <laughs> So I thought that made uh, Beyonce's film a little bit more compelling, particularly if you're not a super, super Beyonce fan. But uh, Marina, always good to see you and to talk to you. Thank you so much for being a friend of the show, not just today, but all the time that I have been here in this seat at Reality Check. And I hope you have a very happy holiday season. Oh, you too. Thanks. Marina Fang, senior culture reporter at the Huffington Post. Thanks, as always, for being on Reality Check. You've been listening to Word Radio On Demand. Listen live at 96.1 FM, 900 AM, and online at wordradio.com. 